Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. See, I'm starting a brand new series today. It's called Repeat. Go ahead and fire it. I heard the Lord speak to me this week. And he said, son, I need to remind you of some things. And as I remind you of some things, I'm going to use you to remind the people of this house of some things. I'm going to remind you. So my mind has gone all over the place this week. I would stand and I would stare and look at the house that I'm building. And as I was looking at the As I'm standing there, one day this week, looking at the front door of this house that we're building, I was reminded of the first time Sandy Moats became Sandy Ragland. We walked across the threshold of our little single wide trailer. We didn't have nothing. My credit was ruined. It was somewhere around 350 or 400 at the, at the at best. We had nothing. But we had each other. And we loved Jesus with every fiber of our being. And we said, God, we don't have anything, but we're going to be faithful to give to you. We're going to serve you, whatever you want to do with our lives. We can do it. That was in May. By the time August hit of that same year, just a few months later, we were in the ministry. Nineteen eighty-nine. Pulled into this parking lot one day. Just listening to the radio, not thinking about nothing. This is what God's been doing with me this week. No sermon on my mind, not even, be honest with you, not even God on my mind. Listen to talk radio, listen to sports radio. Whipped in the parking lot like I've done a thousand times. Nobody was here, headed over to my parking space. As soon as I made the turn, saw the flags in the side my foot stopped I just looked at this building God took me back to the little white building Trevor when I stood on that rocket sitting outside the front door right now that little white building that you could fit the whole building into this one section Stood on that rock. 
said, I don't know what's coming in my life and in this world, but I know what's coming for this church. God said, on this rock I build my church, and gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I said, from this point forward, this church is changing its name. It's now called Solid Rock Church. So that every single time you drive by or pull in this parking lot, when you look at the sign, you are reminded that this church is built on a rock. Thank you. But when's the last time you thought that when you looked at the name? God took me back in 1994. One of the hottest summers on record. Right in the middle of the summer. Multiple days. Weeks, in fact. The lowest temperature was 92, but multiple days. One particular week, I remember it vividly. Out of seven days, five of those seven days went over 100 degrees. By the time the sun set that night at 7, 8, 9 o'clock at night, it was still 90 degrees. But this church was in the middle of a tent revival outside that went for eight weeks straight. Six nights a week, Monday through Saturday, we were in the tent. Started at 7. Most nights we left the tent at midnight. Set up sound systems, tear down sound systems every night. Eight weeks. Six days a week in the tent. Seventh day on Sunday, we were in church. So seven days a week for eight weeks straight in the middle of the hottest summer on record at that time. I don't, I'm sure it happened, but I don't remember ever hearing a single person complain. No one saying, my God, we're at the church all the time. I don't even have a life. Do you know what else happened? We saw some of the greatest miracles I've ever seen to this day in my life. I'm talking about people were walking out of the woods, David. I'm talking about people who were homeless that lived in the woods. For two weeks, we didn't even know it. We're listening, walking up, coming in the tent revival and getting saved. Drunks were showing up completely stoned drunk with beers in their hands, staggering into the tent, sitting down and drinking their beer while I was preaching under the tent. But then the Holy Ghost would arrest them. They would get up and pour that beer out and run down to the altars in that tent and get saved. Where did that church go? What happened to us? Now you gripe and complain, and we all gripe and complain. 
not just preaching to you and preaching it myself. If you're asked to work the nursery more than once every six weeks, if you're asked to have a practice for something on a Monday or Tuesday and you, and you have a Wednesday night service, you're just asking way too much of us. I'm at the church three nights a week now. When I was a kid, we had Sunday school, Sunday morning service. We all ate dinner together on Sunday afternoon. There wasn't no time to take a nap because we was back at church on Sunday night. We had youth, youth choir practice on Monday night. We had drama team practice on Tuesday night. Everybody's at church on Wednesday night. We was all playing in the softball league together on Thursday night. We was together every night. I'm not saying that we've got to return to that. But we need to return to something. The church needs to get back to being the church. Now, I'm not talking about killing people. I'm not talking about wearing people out and killing people. I'm not talking about you not having time for your family. There's a balance. God's been taking me back. Reminding me of promises. Reminding me of callings. Jim, I got a word for you. That word that I gave you about the cave, it's time to fulfill it. Because I got news for you. All around you, there's earthquakes, there's fires, and there's winds. And you're in that cave. But God is not speaking in any of that mess. He's speaking in a still, small voice. And you've weathered a lot of storms. It's time to stand up, walk to the edge of that cave, and step out of it. But as soon as you get out of it, you're about to hear the Lord speak so clearly to you, Jim. God is going to speak clearly. You're going to hear His voice clearer than you've ever heard the prophetic gift in your entire life operating under that mantle. It will be another level of clarity. Is this okay? Do you receive this? Because i got something else to tell you. The Lord said, in the natural, you have trouble hearing. The Lord said to you, elder, man of God that the enemy has put that in the natural to try to also without you even know manifest that spiritually the Lord said to tell you as you begin to open the spirit man's ear God said you will begin to notice a difference in your physical ear because it's going to come from the inside out. This is a season of hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. My kindred, stand up. Do not let the devil tell you the days of standing on the street corner preaching to the masses as they went by was a different man.
You have not disqualified yourself. We've all made mistakes and we've all sinned. But the same man that you were because of the man you are now, God said the gifts and the callings are without repentance. You may not be called to do exactly what you used to do because now you have a wife and you have, you have commitments and there's different things in your life. But that call of God on your life has not ceased just because you're not standing up here preaching. Do not worry about the judgment of man or what you may look like and now because of social media somebody may even film you and blow you up and make fun of you but don't worry about it I'm not telling you to do this I'm telling you to pray about this because when I look at you because I'm in repeat mode right now when I look at you I see you in that tent revival I remember Michael Hendry. I remember you when you was sitting on the back row talking to all the kids, cutting up, not paying attention to anybody. But I remember when the Holy Ghost grabbed you, Mike Hendry, on the back of that tent revival. And you stood up right in the middle of that tent revival. And you began to sob under the presence of God. I remember you jumping so high that you touched the tent with your praise. Coming back the next night, you was the next row up. You came back the next Next night, you moved up another row. You came back the next night, you moved up another row. And then I remember under that tent, Mark Hendry, looking up one day and seeing this young boy standing on the front row, shouting to the top of his lungs. I remember you coming up to me saying, Pastor, pray for me. You know what this man did? Let me tell you the kind of man this, this man is. You Everybody loves Mike, but let me tell you something about Mike that he'd never tell you about him. For years, he'd grab a podium. He'd go down to Southside Birmingham. He'd set a podium up right outside of the fountain. And while they walked by, cussing him, mocking him, worshiping the devil all around him, Mike Hendry stood on Southside by himself with no microphone and preached the word of the Lord, prayed for people all over Southside. My God has not forgotten. Amy, he put you with him because he's not forgotten the gift that's on your life. You're called beyond the faithful service that you have done here. You will continue to operate in those gifts and those callings here. But you've been called to greater than this. Don't be afraid to preach the gospel on the streets or anywhere else, Mike. Don't be afraid to prophesy, Amy, because he's put an evangelist and a prophet together. You don't put somebody like that together, you don't have a plan for them to be used. start to ask you if this is okay. It don't matter if it's okay with you or not. Sometimes we ought to be reminded. Sometimes somebody else has got to remind us. Because if it's up to us, some things are so painful because they didn't happen the way you want them to happen that you don't want to be reminded. Even of the promises of God. 
Because when you're reminded of the promises of God and they didn't work out like you thought it was going to work out, you don't want to be reminded of the disappointment. But if you're still breathing, doesn't God still have a chance to do it? If you're still here, don't you still have a shot to walk in it? It's true. When you're gone, it's over. But are you gone? Are you still here? different person than pastor I got, I got too much on my plate now yeah you do yeah things have changed but Kelly stand up Kelly stand up Kelly stand up Kelly stand up Kelly oh that Solid Rock Church ever had. Smiling from ear to ear next to your brothers and sisters and your mom and your daddy. I watched a young girl become a teenager and become a woman. What I watched was one of the greatest examples of loyalty, faithfulness, and honor servanthood that I've ever seen in my life I watched you load up your brothers and sisters and bring them to church make sure that your kid, your brothers and sisters were in the house of God I watched you so they became adults you raised them you nurtured them you made sure they heard the word of the Lord I don't know. I'm never getting married, Pastor. I remember those words. I'm never getting married. But you know what I heard as your spiritual father? I heard you say that, and I know you thought you meant that. But I heard in the spirit what your spirit man was saying. I don't see how I could ever marry anybody that would let me be who I am. I want to be a strong woman of God. And I don't want nobody holding me back. So I don't think I'll ever get married. 
God. Chris, stand up, son. I'm not trying to super spiritualize this moment. But the day you were conceived in the womb of your mother, and the day, Kelly, you were conceived in the womb of your mother, God ordained this union. You leave the camera going forward, please. Don't don't take it on me.
stay in the Spirit. We're, this, let me tell you, this is what the Holy Ghost wants us to do. Stay in the Spirit for a minute. Jesus went on to say about John the Baptist. What did you come to see? A reed shaking in the wind? In other words, did you come to see a performance? Did you come to see, did you come to be entertained? Is that, is that a really, did you come to see something pretty and something amazing? Something that will make a really good background for an Instagram post? to change the way you think you're coming to this church you need to change what you think you're coming to get or you're coming to see Rhonda, stand up. Stand up right there. Just stay right there. Rhonda was at home so sick and in pain she couldn't move. Watching online. And when God began to move that pain through my body, it was her. 
and it began to move through her right there in her home just like what was said up here and God touched her with such a magnitude she had to get up and drive to the house of God somebody ought to give the Lord the praise for the Holy Ghost moving you better praise him for God moving in the house of God on your behalf Jesus Jesus, Shalabakotabata. Matthew 18, Jesus said this. Again, I say unto you. Again, I say unto you. That if two of you agree on earth, concerning anything that they ask it will be done for them of my father in heaven let me tell you something if somebody has to say again I say unto you what does that mean let me repeat myself because obviously you didn't get it or you done forgot it and you've let the pressures of the world cause you to doubt it the world's trying to tell you your biggest enemy right now is people across the board your enemy is either who just got voted out or your enemy is the one that just got voted in. Your enemy on that level has been brought to people being the enemy. And then at the lowest part of that, being around other people, infecting you with a disease, therefore... People are the enemy across the board. Put it back up there. Put that scripture back up there. Read it out loud. When I count to three, I want everybody to read it out loud together. One, two, three. Again, I say unto you. This is why y'all ain't on the praise team. <laughs> y'all ain't got no rhythm and y'all can't sing together. Hey! Hey, y'all in the choir. You in the choir, but you ain't, you ain't getting on the praise team. Some of y'all might. Again I say, Again, I say. How many times you had to do this to your kids? How many times do I have to tell you? Can I, can I tell the truth? Can you tell the truth? Can you be honest? They heard you every time. It ain't got nothing to do with how many times you got to tell them 
It's got everything to do by the time while they gonna really hear you. My mama used to, I'd say, well, mama, I didn't hear you. And my mama would always say, because you hear what you want to hear. And, and then she carried it on too. She still says it to me. She's like, you have selective hearing. That's what she says to me. Selective hearing. Church, I want to ask you a few questions. And then I don't know where this is going. I'm not prophesying. I'm not predicting. But I need to ask a question. What will you do and how will you respond if these Sunday morning services in the near future go into 1 and 2 and 3 o'clock in the afternoon? What will you do? I said, I'm not predicting. I'm not prophesying. But I got a feeling. Something. I got a feeling. Something is about to happen in this place. Something is about to happen in this place. That people are going to come from the north, south, east, and west because they're looking for the real thing. They're looking, they're looking. Is this the one? Or should we look for another? Is this the one? Or should we look? Is Jesus really real in that place? Is the Holy Ghost? Can miracles happen there? Can lives truly be changed? Can people be delivered in that house? I've heard they can. I've heard the lame walk. I've heard the blind see there. I've heard alcoholics are delivered there. I've heard drug addicts are delivered there. Come on, baby. Let's drive down from Huntsville, Alabama. Come on, baby. I heard they're in Mobile, Alabama, but somehow they heard about it. Let's drive to Birmingham because I heard there's a place that's not worried about the clock. I heard of a place that's not worried about what people think of them. I heard of a place that still believes in the Bible. My God, what would your family be like? What would your neighborhood be like? What would this city be like? What would this nation be like? If the people of God fell on their face laying what they call prostrate before the Lord and laid there and wept under the presence of God again. Cried out to God. We need to be reminded. See, I know we don't need to go back to legalistic tradition. I'm not talking about going back to a judgmental holiness. But I love what Dr. Lester Summerall says, going on to be with the Lord, passed it down to his son, Rod Parsley, where I heard it. He said, there is much to be gained to a return to the discarded values of the past. See, everything in our past wasn't bad. A lot of it was. But what we've done in this, in this generation is 
because of the bad things, the demonic things that humans have done in the past, they don't want, they don't want to go back to nothing that used to be back there. Let me tell you something. Not everybody was demonic. Not everybody was racist. Not everybody was hateful. Not everybody was fill in the blank. Every generation in the midst of everything bad that's happened, there has been a remnant of people who loved God and loved people. In fact, the only way all those demon spirits have ever been addressed, they've been addressed by the church. They've been addressed by preachers. I want to remind you again, I told you last Sunday, Dr. King was not a politician. He's known as the Reverend Dr. King. And I got news for you. Nowadays, just because somebody calls themselves a reverend means nothing. But I'm going to tell you, back then when you called yourself a reverend, that meant you actually preached in a church. You didn't call yourself a reverend on the evening news so you could be a talking head. No, you stood in a pulpit somewhere and you preached the gospel. And then you got out in the streets and you led people down the streets and you sang, my God. Oh, you sang unto the Lord and you began to sing the old hymns and you taught people how to pray. Dr. King was not a doctor of science. Nothing wrong with science. I believe in science. He was called a doctor not because he was a doctor of counseling or psychiatric help. He was called a doctor because he was a doctor of theology. He was a doctor of the word. I will. So, that's my introduction. So, this week God began to say to me these words. And I've been telling other pastors this week. This way said to me, son, don't be afraid or intimidated to preach messages again that you've preached in the past. Because many of the word, words and messages that I put on you to preach were preparatory, prophetical, equipping ahead of its time some 15 and 20 years ahead of his time to prepare for this moment. And there were things in those moments and in those messages that were relevant to that moment, but there were things in those messages and moment that didn't really make sense at that time because they were not meant for that time. So therefore, you need to go back and read them and listen to me when you're reading them. So I started going back on my computer. I have every sermon I've ever preached since the year 2000 on my computer. Now coming up on 21 years of message on my computer. Before that, they're handwritten. And I could barely read my own writing. 
I'm just being honest with you. I had to have the Lord help me interpret a few things that I wrote. But I want to show you all something. This is how God keeps me grounded sometimes. I keep this in my desk. twice a year pull it out and hold it and I remind myself what does that say right there can you see it you're blind I know you're like me yeah Nineteen ninety-one, monthly planner why do I have that at the front? Because some of you may not know this, but I pastored another church before I pastored this church. I pastored a church for three and a half years called Overcomers Church. I re it's called another church, but it was really the same church. Because when the church closed down, we closed down and went into the tent ministry that summer of 94 and birthed Solid Rock. So the same people that birthed Solid Rock were with me when we closed down Overcomers. So technically, we say 26, coming up on 27 years as a church, but the people that founded the church have been together since 1991. So in the front of this calendar, it's my handwriting. And I remember it like it was yesterday when I wrote these words. The first time in my life, I wrote out beside my name the word pastor. Never had wrote it before. It says, Larry Raglan, pastor. It's got my old home phone number right up under it. I guess I've, in case somebody found my calendar, they could call me. I don't know why I wrote my phone number. <laughs> Larry Raglan, pastor. Overcomers Church. Established August 18th, 1991. Sandy, do you remember that day? August 18th, 1991. I'm putting you on the spot. Do you remember where we were? It's okay, we're getting old. <laughs> on, on August 18th, 1991, let me tell you where I was. Is this okay? Because how many know sometimes you need to know where you came from? You need to know why we're still here. August 18th, 1991. I was standing in the living room of Brother Wayne and Rita Burnett's house that they still live in to this day. We didn't have a building. We organized a group of people. We, were, we had been going. We were a group of people that was going from church to church just trying to find a place to settle in. And everywhere we went, we enjoyed the services, but we never really felt like this is it. I was a kid. How old was I? 22? Something like that. I don't know. It was 22, 23? I think I was 22. 23. 23 years old. In, in, in terms of life, that's a kid. And in terms of ministry, that's certainly a kid. It's 23 years old. I'm just wanting to go to church with my family and my friends somewhere. 
And about two weeks before that, Wayne, my father-in-law Durwood, and a couple others came to me and said, now listen to the irony of this, Jim. They said to me, Wayne looked at me and said, all I can tell you, Larry, is that I see something in you that I don't think you can see. And I'm committed to following that gift that's on you. We want you to pray about being our pastor. So I prayed about it. And that was already, I'd already been hearing the Lord. It was, a, it was a confirmation. And I told him I'd do it. On August 18th, 1991, I stood beside, it wasn't on, but I remember it like it was yesterday. It's like a movie playing in my mind right now. I was standing right next to a space heater, a gas space heater. While everybody else was sitting around the living room on bar stools into the kitchen, I was standing there in a group of people that could just barely enough to fill up that, that living room. And I said, okay, I have no clue. I have no education. I have nothing to tell me how to do this. I have no pastors to help me. But I'm ready. And they came up and they circled me and they laid hands on me. And when I left that house that day, Sandy's uncle, Sandy's aunt, Sandy's cousins, Sandy's mama and her daddy and her brother looked at her da their daughter, their niece, their cousin, and, their, and her husband and called us pastors and launched us into the life that we're in now. So all through this calendar, I won't bore you, but I wrote things that we did as a church in our attendance. Where you at, Amy and Clifton? I was counting on day one. Is this okay if I go down memory lane for just a minute? Is this okay? Is this okay? Can I go down memory lane for just a minute? I, I, don't, think I've, I don't think I've ever done this at this level. Listen to some of the things that I wrote. One night I wrote, Mark this night, I'll never be the same. I don't know what happened, but I know I'm going to mark that night. Here's another day, said, we had church at the Moats house, attendance, 18. 18 in Moats house was packed. My bar stool, but the, her bar stool in her kitchen was my pulpit. So see, I'm like most pastors, because you heard me talking about when we started Solid Rock Church, we had 10 people. I, I, I went in the opposite direction. By the time we got through with Overcomers Church, we had less people than we started with. In a house, we, it, one day we had 35 people in attendance in a house. God was moving. We were laying all over the place. But I wanted, I wanted to get to this, because this is, this is something that I want to tell you. That's my calendar. But then... You turn the page to this. This is what I read twice a year right here. This 
special to me. Because David, this was the very first sermon I ever preached in my life in 1989. When I told the Lord I would preach, I stood up in the pulpit of Kimberly Methodist Church in Kimberly, Alabama. And I loved my church, but my own church wouldn't give me a shot. Somebody from that church that was my family heard that I accepted the call to preach, and they said, well, come preach at my church. So I preached my first sermon in 1989. And I want to ask you if you think this was ahead of its time. This is the title of my message that I preached for the very first time in my life in 1989. Have we become immune to the devil? You think we was immune back then? So you know what I'm going to do before this series is over with? I'm going to preach this message. Hallelujah! I don't know what Sunday it's going to be, but I am going to preach my notes. Hey, come on somebody, because I believe it is a word for this moment. So I read it, and I remind myself of the desire that was on my life. I remind myself of the, of the faith that I had. I try to remember those nights. My wife will tell you that I, we would lay in the bed beside each other when we were living next to the train tracks in Trafford, Alabama, and I'd be in a sound, deep sleep, and God would come to me in the middle of the night and begin to press on my body and paralyze me. She would try to wake me up. You know, I'm telling the truth. She'd try to shake me awake, Jim, and I couldn't even come awake. I was in a trance. And I just, all I could do is go, oh, in, in the middle of the night, God would speak to me. <laughs> what happened to him? That don't happen to me anymore. I'm being transparent. It's not God that changed. It's me. I want God to come to me in the middle of the night again. I want God to speak to me about my children and my grandbaby. I just want to do it in front of my church, in front of God more than anything. I repent, God, for distractions, busyness. I know we can't go back, God. I literally can feel this stage 
rocking. I don't care if you think I'm crazy or not. I don't care. I can feel it doing this. Herabashanda. I literally, I literally for a moment, you know how you can feel people walking through your house and jumping all over the place and you might feel it moving? I literally for a moment, not even realizing it wouldn't affect it, looked back here to see if somebody was doing something to make this whole extension shift. I felt this whole extension just begin to do this. I can still feel it about as much. I don't know what's happening in me today, y'all. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. I don't, I, I, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm not losing my mind. I'm not, I'm not going crazy. I promise you, I'm good. I believe the Lord just allowed me to experience in the natural, maybe spiritual, whatever you want to call it. What he spoke to me this morning about this message, he said, the first one you're going to go back to is from 2017 when you preached unshakable, an unshakable kingdom. That in the last days, Hebrews chapter 12 says, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. There's a shaking going on in the natural and the spiritual. And I wasn't even thinking about it, but as I was praying, I heard almost like a subtle, I mean, I felt almost like a subtle earthquake. Like the ground beneath me was moving, vibrating, shifting. God, God, I could still feel it. It's like, look, y'all can come back next week or you can leave the church if you think your church, your pastor's lost his mind or not. I'm operating, I, I, this is, this is, a, I feel like, because I'm going to tell you what I could see. You may not be able to see it. I could literally see the pulpit. Do you see it moving? Shut the, I could see it rocking, moving. That's what I feel under my knees right now. Do you see it, Sandy? You saw it move. Something is happening right now. Something is happening in these altars right now. You need to run down here right now. You need to believe God. Something is shifting right now. I can feel it. I can feel it in the spirit. I can feel it in the natural. Something is shifting. Something is happening right beneath our feet, right all around us, but in our spirit more than anything. Take us back, Lord, to Acts 2. Take us back, Lord. Lord, let us be a church, God. The church, God, you want us to be. Oh, create in us a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within us. Trumpet! Oh, shout of the God!
separated you from your loved ones. They're coming down.
That's the sound of revival. That's the sound of the church. Cry it out. Don't stop. Pray, church. Open your mouth with power and authority. Speak it. Come on, church. Come on, don't let up now. Come on. Push through. Push through in the name of Jesus. Come on, Sister Naomi. Come on, you're leading us right now in this prayer. Father God, we lay it down before you, Jesus. Cleanse us, Father. Cleanse us, Father, from all unrighteousness, God. Prepare our hearts and minds, God, as we go forth, Father, into these next days, God. Prepare us, Lord. Some of you just need to scream. You just need to release out of your belly something right now. You need to let it go. Just shout it. Scream it. You tell that devil to go. Open your mouth and scream and shout. You are free. Listen, listen, keep going, keep going. I'm, I'm just going to speak over you. Don't stop. Your spirit man can hear me. I know, I know that many of you and myself especially will be judged by this moment. We will be judged for people in the altars like this. I will, I, I'm ready for it. I can take it. I pray a hedge of protection over everyone that's up here, everyone, that the spirit of fear will not come on you, that you will leave this place not second-guessing when you ran to these altars, but knowing that that was a God moment. This is a God moment. This is a God moment. 
We pray the hedge upon you. We pray protection upon you. But I'm telling you, where, this, where the church has to go, we can't forget moments like this. We can't forget it. We can't forget it. We can't forget the altar. We can't forget when the Lord says, go, go. We have to run when he says, run. So, I'm prepared for the messages. I'm prepared for what's coming. I've already been getting them. I've already been getting people commenting. And I love them. And I understand where they're coming from. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not judging anyone. I, I literally have said this a thousand times. I'm not judging anyone in the decisions that they've made. Social distancing, masks, so forth. Anything. Gathering. But I just know as a pastor... I have to do right now in this moment what God has called me to do. And everyone that is here has made their own decision to be here. Right? No one has been pressured, not even a single leader. There's no expectation on a leader. Just because you're a leader, you must come to church. No one. If you don't want to come, you don't have to come. Everyone has made that decision. So therefore, you have made the decision yourself to corporately worship with the people of God. Ever how that looks for you, Distance, mask, whatever. You've made that decision. And because you made that decision, you cannot allow the devil to make you second guess that decision. No one, no one, pandemic or not, no one ever knows what the future holds. For us or our neighbors, no one. This is not the first disease that's ever happened. This is a very serious and deadly disease. No one knows what the future has. But I can tell you this. I know what is happening right now. This house is being equipped for this moment. The decision, Chet and Yelena, that you made with your intentionality Online, the post that you are making and your intentionality that goes against what you wanted to do in the flesh, God is going to honor that heart. And he already is. He already is. Pastors, God put it in your heart to help pastors. Not judge pastors, but give life. And you've chosen that life. And the Lord said to tell you, he's pleased with your intentionality. He's found you faithful even though it has not been easy. You have a ministry that goes so far beyond the amazing ministry that you're doing back there. Nobody knows how amazing the job that you're doing back there. I don't even know it. God knows it. God says you're using you, God's using you dramatically back there to touch people's lives. There are people watching right now that have been able, because of sickness, to stay as if they're in this room with us. Want to be here but can't be here. But feel, tell me they feel like they're in this room because of, because of you and your team and how you've trained those, those people in that team. But beyond that, I felt like the Lord told me to tell y'all that your ministry is expanding even now. And it's not, it's not going to be exactly what you thought it was going to be. You will preach in pulpits, but you were already preaching in pulpits. And the Lord said to tell you also 
that because you've made your ministry a family ministry, that you need to go back and study the power of what a child is to you, the blessings, the arrows in the bow. Uh, your children, no matter what you see or hear, all of your children, because you've been intentional in making a family ministry, are going to go faster and further and on target than you ever could. Okay? Okay. So, we can't go back. We can't go back. Okay, so, hey, you telling me something or are you praising God? Okay, all right, okay, all right. When I say we can't go back, you understand what I mean, right? I don't, I don't mean that that we won't have protocols to help people be safe. Okay? We're going to do that. We may do more. Who knows? I'm just saying we can't go back to where we were spiritually and emotionally before we are in this season. The greatest tragedy that could ever happen is for us to come out of this craziness of this pandemic. It will be a memory of our past, and we didn't grow I'm not talking about a number, individually, that we did not grow in our walk with God. That it didn't make us stronger. So I love my church, and I love y'all. And I'm telling you right now, I'm so glad that my wife saw that pulpit moving. You saw it. You saw it moving? You saw it moving? You thought you saw How many here saw the pulpit moving? Oh my Lord, I thought I, I thought I was going, I, I thought y'all thought I was crazy. I was not moving. They were not moving. Nobody was shifting. You saw it? I felt, you saw it. You, you felt it. I literally felt this whole extension like a wave. It just began to do like this. Not, not in a boat, exactly. It wasn't a shaking or an earthquake. It was like a boat. It was just like I felt it moving like a boat. And it just, you saw it storm. It freaked me out. Then I looked up at the, at the pulpit and I saw the pulpit just barely swaying like it was in a boat. And I'm glad y'all saw it. Because I'm telling you right now, I looked over and it freaked me out because I ain't never seen a pulpit move on its own. That still don't mean I ain't crazy. You're right, baby. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Hey, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Listen, listen. Meet up a slow. I receive it. I felt something just hit me like somebody th picked up a brick and threw it in my chest. David, would you say that to me? <laughs> I 
feels so he hit me. What you saw me do, God says, 30 years ago, I'm about to do again. Thank you, Jesus. I'm about to repeat. That tent revival, God said, that lasted all those many weeks. Yes. Get ready. It's about to happen in this building. Yeah. Don't run from it. Mm. Don't be ashamed of it. Mm. Don't let other people tell you we don't do that anymore. Yeah. It's yeah. about to happen. Yeah. And you're going to have to be willing just to open the doors up and yeah. let it happen. Yeah. Yeah. I had a pastor call me yesterday that I'm a friend with, but I'm... I'm not as connected to as, as I am other pastors in the network. He's not in the network. He's just a friend of mine. And he called me. I want to say this only because of the word that David just gave us to give God the praise. Not, it's not about me. But it's about, about us this moment. He called me. And he's just like, Pastor, I don't have nobody to talk to about this pandemic. I'm being told this and I'm being told that. I need, I need a voice that I can just be transparent with that won't judge me, that will help me, that will talk to me and let me talk. We ended up talking 45 minutes, pouring into each other's lives because he has leaders and he has people that he knows questioning him because he's not closing the doors. He's tasting safety protocols, but he's like us. He's made the decision. They're not closing. But it feels like for me, I'm just being honest with you, and for pastors all over, it feels like the walls are closing in because I've said it from the beginning. This is a very dangerous and real virus okay it's not a hoax people that I know have died from this close friends have died from this it is real so the pressure is the balance You understand balance. You can't have balance when everything is weighed to one side. Amen. You can only have balance when you're, you're at least open to hear, see, and experience both sides and find a way to operate in a balanced way. So, thank you for obeying the Lord. I receive it, David, because I'm seeing it already. So, therefore, I understand. I don't mean this cocky. I just got All I can do is say the way it is so you understand it. I understand your faith may not be where mine is. I understand everybody's faith is not at the level that mine is, and I understand my faith is not at the level of some others that I know is. 
So therefore, there is no big faith in little faith.